So when I was a sixth former, I used, we used to hang around in Winchester Cathedral grounds. You can picture it, can't you, in our jeans and our T-shirts. On one occasion, uh, one of our group arrived a bit late, armed with a book, Transcendental Meditation for Skeptics. I think he was on a mission to convert us. After all, it was 1975. Someone said, hey, John, let's look at this book. He took the book and said in a very loud voice, ha, 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 Transcendental Meditation for Skeptics. At that point, we all fell about laughing. And John, I'm afraid, looked pretty defeated, and the book never appeared again. I do feel slightly sorry for him, even though I don't subscribe to such things. In today's reading, we meet another sceptic, not sceptic, Thomas, the disciple of Jesus, forever ever labelled Doubting Thomas. Who's heard Doubting Thomas? Yes, it, it's certainly in the English language, it's one of the things that people talk about when people have doubt. You're a doubting Thomas, which is actually somewhat unfair as we discover, as we go through this story. And I think we need some context here today. The disciples are in hiding for fear of the Jewish authorities. When Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mark tells us that the disciples deserted Jesus. That's Mark 14. And after his crucifixion, they laid low. And who could blame them? They'd seen their best friend crucified. Terrible, terrible way to die. What would we have done, if we're honest? It's easy to look at these passages and think, terrible disciples deserted Jesus. But if you'd have been in that garden at that time, what would you have done? What would I have done? We'd have probably run away. And the door was locked. I think that's an important detail. The door was locked. On the third day, the Gospels tell of Jesus' resurrection and appearances, firstly to the women and then to the rest of the disciples. And it's clear from the various accounts that Jesus' body has somehow changed. He doesn't look the same. But when he spoke, people recognized him. Mary was the first to meet him. And in John 20, we read this. This is after Jesus has been resurrected. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there but did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, you've carried him away. Tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Do you remember that story? Very important. It doesn't quite look the same. Again, following Jesus' resurrection, he joins a couple of disciples on the road to Emmaus. And their heads were down. They'd seen Jesus crucified. And he walks beside them. The disciples didn't recognize him until he broke bread in their home. And their eyes seemed to be opened. And afterwards, they spoke of their hearts burning within them when Jesus was revealing the scriptures to them. And again, so today those disciples were hiding. And Jesus just appears. He's got a body that just appears. And says, peace be with you. Probably quite a good thing to say, isn't it? Suddenly someone appears amongst you, he's not walked through the door. Peace be with you. And then he shows them it's truly him. By pointing to the wounds suffered on the cross. The disciples, of course, are overjoyed. And Jesus once again declares his peace on them and commissions them by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
It says here in verse 21, As the Father sent me, so I sent you. When he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, you're forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is a really important endorsement. Giving these ordinary men the task of forgiving sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because all three are mentioned in this passage. So if you don't believe in the Trinity, here it is. It's in black and white. The Father sent me, verse 21. So I send you, the Son, 21. Receive the Holy Spirit, verse 22. Really important. That's a really important passage. Now, many of us might remember the man, crippled from birth, lowered from the ceiling in the house on a mat by his friends. Who remembers that story? We heard it as children, so many of us. Only about four people put their hands up. Have you heard that story? Yes. (laughs) Keep with the program. (laughs) They wanted Jesus to heal them. And Mark 2 tells us this. When Jesus saw their faith... He said to the paralyzed man, Sons, your sins are forgiven. Well, what an odd thing to say. Of course, it didn't go well with the Jewish authorities because Mark goes on to tell us, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You might remember that passage. Jesus is setting himself up against those people and now he gives this group of frightened men the power to forgive in the name of father son and holy spirit they don't do on their own and again this would set them up directly against those same teachers that had crucified jesus but of course they're doing it in the power of the spirit this is a big deal it's a huge deal this is massive deal but where was thomas you're probably thinking, this is about Thomas. Where is he? You saw that book, Where's Wally? You've seen that book with Where's Wally? He's got a stripy t-shirt. Well, he's not there. <laughs> this, is, this is the book without Wally. The truth is, actually, we don't know where he was. <laughs> but we do know that Thomas didn't lack courage. A few weeks ago, we, heard, we read from John 11 when Lazarus had died. And Thomas said, let's go to, with Jesus so that we might die too. Lazarus had died in Judea, a territory controlled by those who wanted to kill Jesus. It was a dangerous journey and one that Thomas was willing to make. That's why he said, let's go there and die. He loved Jesus and he wasn't in hiding with the rest of them. One of the commentators said, well, maybe Jesus was heartbroken and wanted to deal with his grief on his own. And I think a lot of us will relate to that. We don't want to be in a big crowd. Sometimes we go to a funeral, we are in a bigger crowd. But we also need time alone, don't we? We need time to recover. We need time for our grief, to to deal with our grief. The fact is he wasn't with the others. And when they tell him of their joy, he doesn't believe them. And he wants to see physical proof Unless I see the marks on his hands and put my finger in the, in the side of Jesus, I will not believe. I kind of wonder whether he was a bit peeved, actually. He was missing out on Jesus' appearance. Maybe he was feeling a bit left out. Would you feel left out? Yeah, I think so. I think he was probably feeling left out too. <coughs> and then a week later we read that Jesus appears to Thomas and, and he says to him, put your fingers 
in my hands and in my side. And don't doubt, but believe. And Thomas answers him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus then says, you have believed because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe who haven't seen me. That's us, actually. It's perhaps this verse that gives Thomas the bad press. But he wasn't the only one who believed because they saw Jesus. And he's been unfairly singled out, I think. In Mark 16, we read, when Jesus appeared to Mary, she ran and told the disciples, who were emotionally devastating and weeping. Excitedly, Mary told them, he's alive and I've seen him. But even after hearing this, they didn't believe her. So he's not the only one. They all didn't believe. And of course, Jesus met many people during his ministry. But they didn't believe he was the son of God either. They didn't believe, even though they'd seen him. Just seeing Jesus, just meeting Jesus, did not make you a follower. We read in the Bible that people, when they didn't like what he was saying, turned away. The Jewish authorities certainly didn't believe he was the Son of God. But Thomas says these words, my Lord and my God. And in these few words, Thomas submits himself and submits his trust and life to Jesus. It's a bit like Peter being restored after he denied that's why these stories are here, because Jesus is full of forgiveness. One of the commentators puts it this way, this is one of the most profound declarations of Jesus' deity in the New Testament. That's how important those words are, my Lord and my God. Our understanding of who Jesus is comes from Thomas's declaration. Because of Thomas and his fellow disciples, because they believed, they were witnesses to Jesus' triumph over the death, over, over death. And that's why we're here today. And that's why we're here searching today for that Jesus. That's amazing, that passage. It's an amazing passage. And so often we just think, doubting Thomas, and we've gone, haven't we? We're on the motorway, straight through it. But actually, it's a really important passage. Little is known about Thomas. There are very, very few references to him. But the legend is, or the, the thought is, that he travelled to India and the St. Thomas Christians in India trace their origins to the evangelistic activity of Thomas the Apostle in the first century. We don't know how true that is, but a number of third and fourth century Roman writers also mentioned Thomas' trip to India. Who knows where he got to, but maybe he did get to India. He was bold, he was brave, he was a good man. I th when I was thinking about this, I, I thought about those footballers who missed the penalties for England. Remember those? <laughs> of course, everybody labels them, they're the ones that missed the penalty. And a bit like Thomas, he's kind of labelled, he's labelled wrongly really. Thomas just just an ordinary man, but he wasn't an ordinary man, he was an exceptional man because Jesus touched him. And having worked on this sermon today, I felt invigorated by this passage, and I hope perhaps you take away, you might feel invigorated too. Someone who was in grief, hurting and hopeless was transformed by Jesus. Thomas was dedicated to Jesus and gives us an example to follow, and this is how we should remember him. Someone who was dedicated. Someone who declared, my Lord and my God. 
And let us echo Thomas's words, my Lord and my God. Do you feel better about Thomas now? Yeah, never, not, not doubting Thomas anymore. He's a good man. Amen.